Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This podcast contains descriptions of violence against children and adult language and is not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. everyone and welcome to Suffer the Little Children, the true crime podcast giving voices back to the victims of child abuse and shining a harsh spotlight on the parents, guardians, and caretakers who silence them. I'm your host, Lane, and this is episode 88, Judah Morgan, part two. Last week, I told you the story of Judah Morgan, a bright, loving four-year-old boy with blonde curls, brown eyes, and a disarmingly sweet smile who was removed in April of 2021 from the loving foster family who cared for him for most of his life and placed back in the home of his biological parents, Mary Yoder and Alan Morgan. Six months later, Judah was dead, and Mary and Alan were charged with his abuse, torture, and murder. In this episode, you'll hear my conversation with Judah's foster mom, Gina Hullett, who was already fighting to change laws to protect other kids like the little boy she loved like her own. This is part two of the infuriating story of Judah Morgan. Two quick shout-outs before we get started. Thank you to my newest patrons, Bethany G. and Michelle P. from South Park. I appreciate all of my patrons for their help getting me closer to my goal of being able to devote myself full-time permanently to suffer the little children. Thank you all so much. If you'd like to help support the show and keep the weekly episodes coming, you can visit patreon.com slash stlcpod. Before we hear my conversation with Gina, I want to play for you a few clips she provided me this week. As I mentioned in last week's episode, Judah was terrified of his visits with Alan and Mary and told Gina that Alan hurt him and his older brother during these visits. Gina sent me a few videos she took prior to visits, and Judah's reaction each time to learning he was headed to see his biological parents is beyond heartbreaking. In this video, little Judah states in no uncertain terms that he's staying home with Gina, who he's known all his life as Mommy. Hey, baby, we gotta go. I'm ready to go. Well, we gotta get ready to go. I'm, I'm staying here. You're staying here? Ah. 
Which one is the Mommy Mary? No. In this one, Gina is driving Judah to one of the visits, and he is strapped safely into his car seat in the back, begging to go home. I gotta take you to Grandma. I'm sorry, baby, I have to. You gotta spend time with your mommy, Mary, and your brothers. In this clip, Judah is sobbing in his mommy's arms, swinging wildly at her before subsiding in helpless tears. Judah. Who told you it was okay to hit? Stop hitting me. Stop hitting me. It's not nice. Do you want me to take all your toys away? If those didn't break your heart, you might want to check to make sure it's still beating. That poor, sweet baby knew exactly where he was safe, and it was nowhere near the two people who brought him into the world. Now, here's my conversation with Gina Hullett, who, as far as I'm concerned, is Judah's real mommy. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. No problem. As soon as I heard the story, I, I knew I had to reach out to you. Uh, I was kind of spellbound. It's unbelievable the things that you went through. I, I've heard a lot of stories of DCS failing kids, of course, but this one is just so inexplicable. You know, just them yeah. making one mistake caused the whole thing to happen. Well, they made a lot, a lot more than one mistakes, but it ultimately led to, yeah. Yeah, it sounds that way. I'm so sorry. I know how much you love Judah and your kids really seem to consider him their sibling. So that's... Um, yeah, that was their baby Bubba. Yeah, it's got to be so hard. How old are they? My oldest will be 25 in December. Her middle child, um, Caitlin, is 22 and our baby is 20. Oh, okay, okay. You know, the main thing is really keeping Judah's memory alive, but I know it's important to you also to get the info out there about how DCS failed him because they do yes. it so often. Far too often. Too many times. Yeah. I mean, just, they just don't listen. No. And it's been repeated over and over and over again between myself and other resources that have tried to tell them this is what's going on. This is what's happening. This is what Judah's coming home and telling us. Um, about the nightmare. I mean, everything, everything. I would go to them and tell them everything in, in one year and not the other. Right. I right. even had a foster parent that had Judah's older sibling for a short time. And she recently contacted me and even told me that when she would contact them, either she wouldn't get a response, which was usually my case as well. Um, but when she did get a response, her response were one of two things, either what now or what do you want me to do about it? Or it's none of your business, like I saw in that. I think you posted yep. that at one point. Um, Pretty much. So did you happen to know Mary prior to her getting together with your cousin? Or was she new? No. To okay. No, I met her. Um, her older child, Judah's half-brother, was uh, approximately two. And she and Alan had just got together. And immediately she was pregnant with Judah. And that's when I met her. 
So Alan wasn't the father of the first child. Correct. Now you had a kinship placement with Judah from the time he was born. Um, Well, I got him when, when she delivered him, um, she contacted me and I immediately went up to the hospital and got to see him, got to hold him, fell in love immediately. And afterwards for several weeks and leading up to um, the four month mark, where I continuously tried calling and texting and Facebook messaging. Can I see Judah? When can we see him? Um, it'd be great to see him. Can I bring him some toys or clothes or whatnot? And repeatedly got excuses. And finally, after the four month mark, she admitted to me that um, Judah was placed in foster care immediately after birth. Oh, did she say why? It was because the seven year old. Um, well, she had lied to me and told me some bogus excuse. Come to find out when I did receive Judah. Well, when she told me that DCS had taken him, I contacted them immediately and asked if he could be placed um, with family because it's important to me to keep family together. Mm-hmm. And I know myself, considering that he was family and, and I, I knew that I was already in love with him and I didn't want him to go to a random stranger that may not you know, love him quite as well as I knew that I would or did. Yeah. And she told me that her mother made a false accusation against her stating that there was um, a bruise on the older child and that it was, that it was a lie. Come to find out it wasn't a lie. It was the truth. Okay. So she had a CPS history basically starting all the way back then. Yes. So first of all, her older son was taken. Then Judah got taken and placed with you at about four months. Yes. And she had two others in between there. Yep. The now two-year-old I also had, um, he was placed in foster care for a short time. And then I asked to have him, um, which I did have him for about three months, but he was self-harming. And I was concerned um, because she had made several false accusations against me. Mm -hmm. And um, with his self-harming, I didn't want him to be hurt and I didn't want to be accused of hurting him. So I asked DCS to please find him a new home, at which time they put him back with his parents. So it's not what I wanted. on putting the kids back with those parents. Yeah. Well, they should have done that from the day one, if that's what they were going to do, instead of telling me, giving me false hope and lying and telling me that I would be able to adopt him. And and they told you that right from the start? Kind of. They told me at one point, see, the first two years, from my understanding and, and what I've read and from what I've experienced, the first two years of infant's life is crucial for bonding. They were not consistent with their visitations whatsoever. So Judah did not bond with either one of them at all. When they did do visits, they would the facilitators would end the visits early because Judah was inconsolable. He would do nothing but scream and cry because he already had a bond with me. There was even times where I had to stay at the visit just so they could continue their visit without him having a fit because he he didn't want to be there. He didn't want, you know, he to him, they, they were strangers. Because right. the visits were so inconsistent. Okay. So as soon as he was left alone with them, he wondered, where did my mommy go? Yep. I've tried, I even tried sneaking out, oh. kind of gradually walking towards the door. But it, and it broke my heart every time because he would crawl towards me. And then, you know, when he started running or walking, he, he would run to me. And then it got to the point where um, DCS would facilitate people to pick him up for his visits. And he would scream and cry and hold on to me. And they would literally have to pry him off of me because he did not want to go to visit. And when he was able to vocalize it, he would scream and cry. And 
would tell me things, you know, about being afraid of going there. And when I would relay this to the um, local department, they just didn't care. Yeah, they just don't seem to listen to kids enough. They don't put enough stock in what the kids are saying. Nope. I, I think that they just thought that I was using anything that I could to keep him, which I did want to keep him. But that's not what was going on as far as, you know, the things that Judah would come home when he would was able to vocalize and tell me his fears and tell me things that were going on in the home. And I would, like I said, relay those to DCS. And I believe that they thought I was just grasping. What was he telling you was happening or what was he afraid of? One particular time he had come home and he had said that he was afraid of Mary. Um, there was another time when he would say he was afraid of Alan he would tell me um, things that would happen in the home. Um, he would say that Alan, and he would never refer to them as mommy or daddy. To him, I was his mommy. My husband was his daddy. Um, so he would come home and, and say, well, Alan kicked the older sibling's name. Um, he would say his name and he'd say, Alan kicked him down the stairs. Oh my and then when I would relay that to the department, they, I don't know if they did for sure question the child or not. Um, I know there was a couple forensic questioning, okay. but they really need to do some sort of training to see and spot when children are coached because I know for a fact that the children were coached on several different occasions. So much to the point that the forensic questioning, even they believed what he was saying. But the truth be told is um, the older sibling was living with um, Mary's mother. She had raised him. And Mary had accused her brother, I believe he's 22, of hitting the same day that happened. They took the older brother from the home, from his grandmother's care, where he grew up, was happy, healthy, safe, never had any reports on them or any injuries to him until he started visits. But with that being said, the fact that I told them that Judah came home and told me what happened about Alan kicking his sibling downstairs... And how coincidental that he gets a bruise that same day and she blames it on her parents and coached the older sibling to say so. Can you not read between the lines? I'm telling you what the three-year-old's telling me. And then the, coincidentally, he ended up with a bruise that supposedly happened at grandmother's house. They don't. They don't seem to read between the lines if you don't spell it out in yeah. extreme detail. And even then, they're not listening. No. Is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And so I didn't realize that the older boy was not even living with them. The way Mary's Facebook accounts look, you would think the kids lived with her all the time. That's what she wanted everybody to believe. I believe and Judah both were kind of in her eyes, maybe trophies. Um, look what I have. This is mine. Yeah, that was her big thing, right? Just being mom of the year posting everything yeah. about how her kids are so important to her. And my gosh, some of the, that, that one person who posted the text messages. Um, yeah. I, mm. Pretty shocking. Yeah. And I think the whole thing is, is that she just did not want us to have him. I think what happened, what all caused it all is his love for us. 
And I feel guilty for that, but I know there's nothing that could be done about that. We loved him. He loved us. And I think when the six month home trial visit started, which was in April, when I dropped him off there, he clung to me so tight that I, I could literally move my arms from him and he wouldn't, he wasn't going anywhere. And he whispered in my ear, mommy, please take me home. It was time I had to set him down and turn away from him. So he didn't see me crying because I didn't want him to see me upset. And I didn't want that to upset him. And at that time she kept telling me, well, we'll be a big family and we'll do family things together and cookouts. And I don't want to rip you from Judah's life and everything will be fine. That was all a lie. She was telling me what I wanted to hear. And the fact that those messages were posted on Facebook clearly shows that she didn't want him. She just didn't want us to have him because Judah loved us. And I think what happened is Judah probably cried for me because she completely did cut us out of his life. And after four years of being with us, thrown into that household, not knowing what's going on, not knowing heads from tails, thinking that we didn't want him anymore, I'm sure, because that's the type of people that they are, that he would come home and tell me, Mary said, you're a stupid fat bitch. And so I asked DCS, can you please put him in therapy? Because he would come home and violently hit me, hit my daughter, have screaming tantrums, wake up in the middle of the night with nightmares. Um, He was fully potty trained at two. So the, the pitiful, pathetic excuse of why they punished him because he had accidents is just completely appalling. Because there was even a point where I sent a pull-up with him. He started doing his overnights, fully potty trained. He would come home. He would leave Friday evening or Friday afternoon, come home Sunday evening. And every Sunday after he would have an overnight visit, he would have an accident in the middle of the night and he would wake up screaming like from a nightmare and run to my bedroom. I'm sure they terrorized him into having accidents, if anything. That's what I believe because I even sent, I said, well, he's, I I sent a pull-up with him the the following time he had an overnight visit and she asked me, why did you send a pull-up? And I said, well, I wasn't putting two and two together at the time, but I was like, well, he's started, he just recently started having bedtime accidents. So, you know, I thought I'd send one just in case. And she goes, well, we don't have that problem here. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that here word for word. So I stopped sending the pull-ups. I think that he probably, in my head, what I'm, I, I'm just keep running through in my head is what happened is he was probably crying for us. They didn't like that. They probably told him since they fed him other things, you know, saying that I'm a stupid fat bitch or whatever and other mm-hmm. foul things that they probably told him we didn't care about him. We didn't love him. We didn't want him. He may have or may not have acted out or maybe he cried and they didn't like that and, and because he loved us. And they probably started punishing him for that, which led him to start having fearful accidents. And that ultimately led to what happened, is what I believe. Like it snowballed from there. The, the first accident was probably on them and they took it out on him. So yep. Do you know about how long they were using the basement as punishment? No, I don't. Um, from what I'd gather, probably maybe the entire time. I was told by DCS that during the six-month home trial, they were supposed to do monthly checkups on him. Apparently, they didn't do any, but I was also told that they did two out of the six that they were supposed to do. Whether that's the truth or not, I don't know, but I do know I was sent an image. They had a video camera surveillance system in their home, and the ones in the home would take snapshots, motion-detected snapshots, and then they had one on the outside of the home facing the driveway. I believe that's because he was growing marijuana on the property. At least that's what I was told. So he was watching for the police and stuff. Sure. Yeah. And so I was sent images by an anonymous person who did send the information to the detectives on the case. 
I wish I wouldn't have seen images. Two days after his fourth birthday, he had two black eyes. There's images of the seven-year-old sitting on the floor in the bedroom looking down the vent, and Judah's nowhere else to be seen in the house. So, and he did say uh, at one point that he was in the basement where he always is. Yep. And that was during the birthday party. Yeah, which um, Alan's brother posted on Facebook, and you can clearly see the other three children and not Judah. Mm. And I kind of am perturbed about that because as an uncle in the home, in the condition of the home, and the red flags everywhere, for one, why didn't you ask? Well, he said he asked where Judah was, and he was told. That's another thing. He told two different stories to me. First, he said Mary told him that Judah was at one of her friends, and then he changed it later on and said Alan told him. So that little change got me thinking, okay, what else do you know? Even if he did not know Judah was in the basement, the fact that he was there in the condition of the home and the refrigerator having a lock on it and this pungent smell of the home, the feces everywhere, garbage everywhere, the fact that he he very well could have made it. If he didn't want to start trouble with his brother, he very well could have made an anonymous call mm-hmm. to somebody and reported something. So all those things added up. I think he knows more than what he's leading on. And if he doesn't, then the fact that he still didn't do anything about what was going on right there. I even told DCS that when I dropped Judah off, how disgusting the house was and how I was worried about the kids as far as sanitary as well. And they told me that the house meets minimum requirements. And so I was like, okay, I need to do something. Who else can I contact? So I contacted the health department anonymously because I I wasn't trying to start any aggravation with them in hopes that at some point in time that they would allow me to see Judah. So I anonymously made a phone call to the health department and I told them that they were burning. Literally, this is exactly what they were doing. They were burning garbage outside, dirty diapers. Uh, Yeah. Just garbage, what you would throw in the trash can. They were burning outside. So I act like I was a concerned neighbor and I said, the people that are in front of my property are burning trash out here. Can you please, I don't want it causing a fire on my property. I don't like being that person, but if I have to do what I have to do to get somebody to do something, I'm going to do it. So I said, they're burning trash. I don't want it coming out of my property, burning my property. It's also very unsafe for the children because there was broken glass in the backyard, metal um, boards with nails and screws in them. And when I did see the children playing outside, it would be in the front yard, which is very small and right next to a road. So I let them know that. And they said um, that they would send somebody out there, whether they did or not, I don't know. And then I inquired about the inside. And I said, well, I know the inside is disgusting, very unsanitary. They have two toddlers to the point where even the two-year-old, I caught him trying to take his fingernail and pick a nasty, dirty, gross, dried up, crusty Cheerio off the floor. Oh, no. And yeah, he's like scratching at it with his fingernail, trying to pick it up. And I immediately took it from when I saw him. So when I told the health department about the inside, they said I had to call DCS. I already told DCS. <laughs> right, of course. So yeah, I just constantly got a runaround. It's like my hands are tied. I was just completely, utterly disgusted and nobody was helping me. Right. They just wanted to pass the buck. Yeah, yeah. that makes it very hard for you to, to protect the kids, which is their job. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So Judah got taken away from Mary and Alan, and then she had two more kids after that. And were they taken right at birth too? No, not right at birth. So let's see. The fourth child never left their care. The third child that was born, the two-year-old, he was in foster care for uh, an amount of time, which he was self-harming there, Mm -hmm. um, which I didn't know at the time. And then I asked to have him. I had him for approximately three months and he was self-harming. I I couldn't wash the dishes. I couldn't go to the bathroom without him bashing his head on the door and screaming. How old was he then? It was around this time last year. So he was just a little bit over one. He had just started walking. Um, Right when he got with us, um, I started working with him on walking and he started walking within a week. Oh, wow. Yeah, he just didn't get any attention at all, sounds like. Yeah, to me, I think that's what happened is it was neglect on them not paying attention to him. I think that's why if I walked out of the room for two seconds, he would have the hugest fit. Yeah, kind of like separation anxiety. He actually encountered someone who cared about him and couldn't stand to have her out of his sight. So the fourth one was never out of their custody. Yeah. And he was born premature. In every pregnancy, all of the children had high amounts of um, THC in their system. And they weren't taken for that? No. (laughs) No. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, the the two-year-old was, but for some reason, the infant was not. Yeah. I mean, even if it was... From what I was told, it was such a high amount that it was in their um, fecal matter. Which means she was using it long term. And I know she admitted, um, at least with Judah, that she smoked uh, marijuana her entire pregnancy. Yeah. So she just didn't take them into account at all, it sounds like. No. Before or after there, they were born. No. There were even um, witnesses. Alan's mother had even told me at one point in time when they had pulled up, um, when she was pregnant with Judah, they had pulled up at her house. And all you could see was an overabundance of smoke in the car because they would. And they would have the seven-year-old in the back seat while he was um, two, two and a half at the time. And they would have him in the back seat. And all you could see was smoke. You couldn't even see anything else. So wow. he was absorbing that and smelling it and breathing it in. And she said when they would roll down the window or open the door, just smoke rolled, literally rolled out of the car. Oh I told gosh. DCS they didn't, they didn't care. Minimum requirements, I guess. Yeah. But this did not seem to affect Judah. He, he met his developmental milestones and all on time. I think a little bit before time on a lot of them. Um, he knew okay. his left from his right before he was even two. Oh, wow. Um, I just would play a game with him and I would tell me, show me your right arm. And he would lift up his arm and I'd tickle him. Oh. And he, he enjoyed that. So it was just a little game and, and he enjoyed it. So I think he caught on very quickly with that. I asked DCS if they could please assign him a therapist because of the toxicity in their home when he was going there, he was hearing them bicker and argue and scream at each other and get in each other's face mm-hmm. and um, call each other foul names, call kids foul names. And when I would relay that to DCS, of course, you know, nothing. So I asked them, please assign him a therapist. 
So he started relating his his emotions through colors. So he started, I, I worked on him with his colors from, I think, 16 to 18 months is when I started. Wow. And by the time he was two, two and a half, he knew his five basic colors. Somewhere between three and three and a half. Um, he could count to five. Knew his colors, knew a good portion of his shapes, did matching very well. I played matching games with him. He did very well in that. He loved books. A, a large part of his potty time, especially when he would go number two, mommy read me a book. So <laughs> it, and every night I would read it for, to him for an hour. It wouldn't matter if it was one book or 10 books. Every night for an hour I would read to him. But it started to where he would ask me, mommy, can you read me a book? I got to go poo-poo. So he'd sit on the potty and I'd sit there for 10 minutes, sometimes 20 minutes while he listened to the book and, and did what he had to do. It even got to the point where when my daughter, my 20-year-old daughter, Madison, was home, she would go into the bathroom to take a bath or something and he would slide a, a book under the door and he said, here's Sissy, here's a book you can read. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. He sounds like a really smart kid. He was very smart, very bright. He picked up on things so quickly. He knew if I had my phone and, and I would look at him, he would automatically say cheese. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of pictures I have where you can tell he's saying cheese because he's got his, his lips puckered out and, and his teeth showing. So you can say he's saying cheese. Well, I wonder him picking up on things really fast must have kind of made it harder for him almost. You know, when he went to them and, and he understood something's very wrong here. Yeah, you have to wonder what was going through his head while he was seeing all of these strange things, the fighting and the bickering and hearing people being called names and things like that. It, it breaks my heart because I feel like I wholeheartedly believe he was crying for us. And I wholeheartedly believe they told him that we didn't love him. And that breaks my heart because he probably died thinking we didn't love him. You know, just based on what you've told me and everything I've seen, I am positive that he didn't believe them. If they told him that, because he had to know how much you loved him and that you didn't want him to leave. You did everything right. You took care of him the way he deserved. And he was such a smart kid. I, I honestly really think he knew that you were a safe place, even if he was told otherwise. He had no reason to trust those people, you know, the things they were telling him. Yeah. I just feel so badly for him. He's just so innocent and didn't ask for any of it. No, and it could have been prevented had, had DCS listened to me. They were even not listening to his therapist. His therapist, which um, I'm, I'm going to sue DCS for wrongful death and for pain and suffering. Nothing can bring him back, but they need to learn a lesson. And if I have to sue their butts off, then I'm going to sue their butts off. If I, if I have to do that to bring light to the situation, that's what I'm going to do. Exactly. It needs to stop. We are supposed to protect these children and they don't allow us to. And I feel guilty too, because for the six months that he was out of our care prior to his death, I went to therapy myself because mm -hmm. when he was taken, my, me and my and my youngest daughter both started seeing a therapist because when he was taken, I, I would message her, can we please come see Judah? Matter of fact, for his birthday, we were supposedly to have this plan to go over there and have a birthday party for Judah. And I told her, I'm going to get a bubble machine. We're going to bring over cake and gifts. What time is the, is is it? And she then proceeded to tell me, Judah's not having a birthday party. Nobody's showing up. So we're not having one. And I got furious. And I said, this is bullshit. You know, why can't we bring over a gift for him at least and a cupcake or something? Why, you know, why is this fair? How is that not fair for him to not have something? And she ended up going back off on me. And I ended up 
later on apologizing, even though I didn't mean it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You have to sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I'll bend over backwards. I'll kiss your ass. I want to see him. So I apologized and tried to beg her to allow us to see him. Can I please bring over some of his toys? We have all of his stuff in storage, Um, brand new bikes that he got to ride once or twice, tons of clothes, tons of toys, everything. And I was kind of using that as, you know, can we, can we bring over Judah's toys? Can we bring over Judah's clothes? I was ignored, 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 ignored. Uh, So I started seeing a therapist because we were already mourning. He was gone from us. I still had hope at some point in time that we would be able to see him, but I feel horrible because my husband in the entire time, he wanted to talk about it. I didn't. So I I went to my therapist and started going to therapy and trying to get help to, to deal with how I was mourning versus how my husband was mourning. And I feel bad now because I should have listened to my husband. He kept saying, can we drive by there? Can we check on the kids? And I kept telling him no, because I don't want to aggravate a situation. And if the boys are outside playing, I don't want to see Judah if we can't see him, see him. Mm -hmm. And I don't want him to see us drive past and wonder why we're not stopping. And I know if we did stop that they would call the police. So I didn't want any of that aggravation or, or trouble for Judah. Right. So I kept telling my husband, no, just get it out of your mind. Stop. There's nothing I can do. I've been messaging her. I've been pleading with her, you know, using every excuse that I could think of to see him, see the boys and nothing, nothing, nothing until the morning of Judah's death. She texted me around 3.30 in the morning and told me, I'm sorry, I should have listened. Wow. Okay. So she had some awareness about her at the very least, but it was too little too late. I think it was her using because her her um from my understanding what she has told the police and the detectives is that she was afraid of alan and that she would tell him stop that's enough but not step in the way well i'm telling you what if somebody's after one of my kids i'll take that ass beating you're not touching my kids i don't care how afraid i am of you yeah and she had so many facebook posts about that exact topic yeah it seems all very hypocritical she's posting these things at the same time that she's allowing this man their actual father to hurt them. Yep. And she's very, very narcissistic. I I have tons and tons of messages. She sent me pictures where she would take her necklace chain and rub it around her neck to leave a red mark. So she would get attention and and so she could accuse Alan of it. Because I I even asked her, I said, what's wrong with your neck? And she goes, well, I was mad at Alan. And I was going to call the cops and tell him that he did it. And she actually did herself. She's very narcissistic and very manipulative. She wants people to feel sorry for her but she doesn't feel sorry for her children. It's me, 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 me. She doesn't care about anybody but herself. Growing up with one parent like that is enough, but it sounds like Alan had many of his own issues. Yeah. Alan was abused as a child. Um, From my knowledge, he doesn't remember a lot of it. From my findings, the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Right. It helped shape his brain, so it kind of pushed him in the same direction. You can stop the cycle if you're conscious about it, but he didn't seem to care. Yeah. Everybody has a choice. You can choose to be an alcoholic like your father, or you can choose to never drink. It's the decisions that you make in your life that lead you to where you end up. Yeah. They definitely made some pretty terrible decisions, not only for themselves, but especially for those kids. Yeah. So the four kids, where are they now? Are they all in foster care? Is the older one still with her mom? No, I do know they are currently in a foster home. But I will say that I know that family is trying to get them. Yeah, I hope they can be together and be with someone who loves them. That's really important. Yep. And the seven-year-old definitely needs to be somewhere stable where he's comfortable because he endured a lot of trauma and abuse as well. 
and, and the trauma aside from what he went through, but watching what Judah went through. So I know he's in therapy for that, but I think that he, his therapeutic devices will also be having him in a place where he knows where he's familiar with, where he knows that he's comfortable and loved. So I think that part is important in trying to help him get through this too. Sure. You know, everyone I'm sure is telling him none of it was your fault, but I'm sure there's bound to be some survivor's guilt and stuff like that. It's really hard for someone who's old enough to understand certain things not to think that way. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So... Can we talk about Judah a little bit and what he liked and his favorite people and things to do and stuff like that? His favorite people were everybody. (laughs) He loved everybody. If we would go to the supermarket or, you know, just Walmart, or it didn't even matter if we went to the gas station, he would, hi, hi. (laughs) Yep. Hi, buddy. He loved cars. He loved motorcycles, any kind of construction equipment, typical boy stuff. I got Netflix so he could watch special programs and he loved um, Magic School Bus. He loved Paw Patrol, PJ Mask. Um, those were his favorites. He even had a Catboy PJ Mask um, Halloween costume last year. He wore that for probably like six months <laughs> running around the house because he loved super Catboy speed. He wow. thought he was Catboy. His favorite colors were blue and green. He loved his sissies and his brother, my um, other children. He, he would call my daughter Madison, Sissy Madison, and my, my daughter Caitlin, he'd call her Sissy Kaken. He, he could never get to Caitlin. He'd say, it was close. <laughs> Sissy Kaken. Um, when my son would come to visit from Indianapolis, um, yeah, he'd call my son Cow instead of Kyle. Call him <laughs> Cow. My son plays around with skateboard and he brought it in once and he put Jude on it and we had a hardwood floor so we would just roll him across the floor on it and Jude loved that. So every time my son would come home, he would say, Kyle, is your skateboard in your car? Can you go get it? <laughs> he loved his books, all of the Dr. Seuss books, but he really loved Go Dog Go. Okay. Uh, I think that was because it was such a long one. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he loved that quality time hearing the books from you. Yeah. Was he in uh, preschool or anything yet? No, I planned on putting him in preschool last year, but then mm-hmm. COVID hit. So right. I put it off right. and then he was taken. Well, apparently that's what caused them to not file the first TPR. The LaPorte County Regional Manager for DCS had openly admitted to me vocally over the phone. Uh, I'll be pretty accurate. His words were, I'm sorry, I don't know how to correct this. I have to apologize and all I can do is apologize. But they did drop the ball word for mm-hmm. word. They were supposed to file a TPR in late 2018, early 2019, but they failed to do so because the COVID and the courts were closed. I don't know why they didn't push it off a little bit, but then something else happened and they were supposed to file another TPR a little bit later. It was 2020 and they were supposed to file one. And he said, for some reason, he did not know why they did not. And then he said that that he was going to require them to do a bonding assessment when we went to court, the last court hearing we had where the judge said, 
that Judah's going to start a six-month-home trial visit. I brought up the fact that the regional manager had mentioned that one of his requirements were the bonding assessment, and he said it wasn't necessary and sent him home. So that was just completely disregarded? Yep. Everything that I said was disregarded. I, I don't have, I even contacted attorneys, I think three three different ones, and was told that because I'm just a second cousin, I don't have a leg to stand on. That is such a shame. It really is. And I know a lot of attorneys are afraid to go up against family court judges because they can be so intimidating and they have so much power. Yeah. The plaque that you had posted in the group, it was so, it was just beautiful. Yeah. My son's friend dropped it off and I had to give him like five hugs. And I was like, I can't thank you enough because he literally got Judah's little curl. He did one of the side pictures of Judah and he did it. He's got his cute little chubby cheeks and his button nose and the curls and he did a fantastic job on it. Put Judah's favorite, put one of Judah's favorite colors on there. I was really appreciative and, and overjoyed that he did that out of the kindness of his heart. It was very lovely. It really is beautiful. What a, a nice way to remember him. Was he cremated or buried? His grandmother asked if I minded if she took him to Virginia to be buried next to her father. And I said, that's not really fair. We live in Indiana. I don't have the means to travel constantly, and I want to be close to him. So she asked what I suggested. She's been very, very kind and considerate through all this. Her and I have been coordinating since day one, since we I first got Judah, how we both made reports to DCS, how we both kept fighting for the kids, and they didn't listen to either one of us. So we've become quite friendly, and um, I asked her, could we please cremate him and split the ashes? And she agreed on that. So that's what we did. So you have him near you. That's wonderful. Yep. I was surprised the trial date's set already. So let's just keep our fingers crossed that that stays on track. Yeah, I'm hoping so. I think they set it for next year so that they could get all the evidence that they needed. I mm-hmm. am a little bit concerned on, on Mary's charges because I believe she's just equally as guilty as Alan is. She didn't do anything to stop it. She could have. When she was in the hospital giving birth to the fifth child, she very well could have said something to one of the nurses at the hospital. She wasn't fearful. Even the video of the two-year-old's birthday shows that. You can clearly hear her a doting, happy mother, blow out your candles, happy birthday. She didn't yeah. sound fearful. She didn't sound concerned that Judah was in the basement. Yeah, it's it's pretty tough to say what will happen with those charges. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they offered her a plea deal to testify against Alan. And that's what I was concerned about because to me, she's just as guilty and and I'm so afraid that they're going to fall into feeling pity for her and, oh, she is the battered mother and it's just not the case. I even have told DCS and the police actually uh, locally are aware of this, that there was a point in time where her and Alan had got into a dispute and the police had been called. The, The relationship between the two were so toxic. Now, if I'm fearful of my spouse, I'm not going to be getting up in their face and screaming at them and poking them. And that's exactly what she would do constantly. If you're afraid, so afraid that you're not going to protect your children, it just doesn't make any sense that any other time it's okay for you to get in his face and scream and poke him in the face and, and do things that her behavior is just completely opposite of the behavior she's trying to portray to everybody else currently. I would say it's probably worth telling the state's attorney or the district attorney about that just so they have that in their back pocket. I contacted the prosecuting attorney and he has yet to get back to me. So okay. um, I do have a meeting with um, one of the state reps today. So I'm hoping maybe that will get somewhere. Um, we're trying to push for Judah's law. Clinton passed in 97, um, Adoption and Safe Families Act. 
where I think it's 15 of the most recent 22 months, they are mandatorily supposed to file a TPR. There's a clause in there, though, that says that it does not connect to kinship cases. I want that abolished. I want that off there. It does not matter where the child is as long as he's happy, healthy, and safe. Better that they're with family. And I also want them to add, if I can get this done, I think it'll help tremendously. I want them to add mandatory bonding assessments because, like I said, between the first two years, that's when a child starts developing a bond. And if there is no bond, then it's going to cause detrimental damage to a child psychologically. They're going to have trust issues. You know, later on in adulthood, they could have certain learning disabilities and anxiety. I I read a whole bunch of things on it and it just scared me because I knew he did not have a bond with them. And a bonding assessment was supposed to be done and they ended up not doing it. So I want, especially when children are that young and placed with a foster caregiver or a kinship placement, if they develop a bond like that at that young age, I think that needs to be highly noted as far as where the child or children need to be. Absolutely. Judith's therapist actually quit her job because she goes, I'm sorry, this is going to be the last time I'm in. And Judah loved her. Judah loved her. Um, He didn't like going to visit me. He loves going to therapy. She told me, I I have to quit. This is going to be the last time I'm going to see, um, what did she call him? Sugar pants or something like that. I can't remember. (laughs) But she said, this is going to be the last time I'm going to see Judah. I'm, I'm quitting. And I asked why. And she said, because I'm tired of them not listening to me. Either they're not reading my notes or they're just not heeding my advice. Wow. And she said that she told them Judah does not need to go back there. Judah does not need to be in that house. Unbelievable. I mean, for her to feel that strongly about it says yeah. a lot. It really does. Yeah. I'm glad he was surrounded by people who did love him. He knew love in his life and that's so valuable. I got to give you a lot of credit. You're already looking into the law to change and all of that stuff. It's only been, what, two weeks, 16 days? Yep. Right after I received the call that he was gone, the first thing I did, and I'm not going to have any shame in it, I texted the caseworker who was in charge of his case. And I said, I told you something like this might happen. This is your fault. I was furious. My next text, after I was able to collect my thoughts and my composure, my next text was to her boss and asked her where the boys were and could I get them. My next thing, all the same day, is getting justice for Judah. That is awesome and commendable. It really is. Thank you. If I'm not doing this, I'm just going to roll up in a ball in the bed and not get anywhere and nothing is going to get done. And my kids are helping out a tremendous amount. We're all supporting each other and that helps out a lot of too. Thank you so much to Gina for talking with me about her precious little boy, the circumstances surrounding his life and his untimely death, and her efforts to make changes to prevent tragedies like this. Her resolve and dedication is inspiring, and I wish Gina, Phil, Kyle, Caitlin, and Madison peace, healing, and all the best going forward. They showed Judah a lifetime of love in four short years, and I hope they never underestimate how significant that is. That's it for this week. Join me next week for another episode. If you like the show, please follow or subscribe to Suffer the Little Children on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Spreaker, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast listening app. And please leave me a five-star rating and a positive review on your favorite podcast platform. Visit the website at SufferTheLittleChildrenPod.com where you can listen to episodes or become a patron for rewards ranging from a shout-out by name on the show to bonus content and exclusive gifts. Follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, 
and Pinterest at Suffer the Little Children Pod, and on Twitter and TikTok at STLCPod. View photos related to today's episode on Facebook and Instagram. For more stories like the one you heard today, visit SufferTheLittleChildrenBlog.com. This podcast is researched, written, hosted, edited, and produced by Lane. All music for the show is licensed from AudioJungle.net. Email tips, comments, questions, or case suggestions to SufferTheLittleChildren.pod at gmail.com. For more information about preventing or reporting child abuse, visit ChildHelp.org or call your area's child abuse hotline. If you see something, say something. Until next week, bye everyone.